When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. All right, Horror Movie Night, we are back with a interview live at Fantastic Fest with the team behind Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, a documentary from Tyler and Roman starring Mark Patton of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, and guys, I watched it the other night and I was bawling. Watching really? It. it is a beautiful, beautiful story. Oh my story. God, you can stay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when I went into this, I didn't know what it was going to be. Because I feel like we get a lot of these horror retrospective documentaries that, I mean, I love them, but they're basically just clip shows and montages of something. Right, right. And, you know, I was like, is this just going to be a best worst movie for Nightmare on Elm Street? And it is so much deeper than that. The question for all three of you, honestly, is how did this happen? How did all of these things connect for this documentary to be what we're able to watch right now? I th- I think that this is something that is growing on a social level. We're warriors. We decided we need to bring it. We need to do something about it. This is something that is very it's passionate to all of us, but it really started with Mark for sure. Well, you know, actually when you the way you were describing the the horror documentaries, of course, you know, first I did Never Sleep Again, and I came to Never Sleep Again with a with a promise from the the directors. And um, I was expecting it to be a documentary, but it's not. I mean, it really, it's wonderful. Yeah. But it's just talking heads and reminiscing about there's no fact-checking or truth-telling in those movies. Um, so I did that, and then I signed with uh, a contract to go off for Comic-Cons and all of that type of thing. And um, it really got under my skin. I mean, it's like uh, I felt like they had made a blowjob joke of... Uh, 
the movie. And I thought Nightmare on Elm Street 2 actually deserved a lot more than that. And I thought I deserved a lot more than that. And um, so I began to contemplate how I could use this uh, newfound fame. And then the universe put Tyler, Roman, and I together. And what started out as one thing became something completely different and became what you saw uh, that affected you so profoundly. We didn't know it was going to be about me in the beginning. At least I didn't. I thought it would be about a lot of people, uh, a lot of boys like me. But it, uh, I guess the power and the simplicity of my story, because it's very easy to understand the story, uh, took over and they just ran with it. And yeah. I think they did a beautiful job. I think the impetus for us as storytellers was like the, the trajectory of Mark's career was so fascinating. It's like here is this boy who comes out of nowhere, moves to New York, is starring on Broadway with Cher, like out of the blue, and then suddenly is starring in his, fe- his first feature film and then disappears. And it's like, you don't get that height of success by accident. And why would someone work so hard to get that far and then completely disappear? And I think that was our driving force to like figure out like why was that the way that it happened and figure out from there where we could go. Sorry. And then, you know, I, and I think actually, you know, strangely enough, Scream Queen is actually about all three of us. So, um, because it was a cathartic experience for us all along the road, because the movie rolls out in the way that it does, and you know, um, we each were growing and blossoming, really. Um, I didn't realize exactly how angry I really was. And when you start to unpack that anger and what the anger was really about, you know, and... Um, and I had to discover that stuff, you know, on the road and um, in front of a camera. And then after the camera's over, then I would go away to Mexico and go like, oh, my God, did I just say all that stuff? You know what I mean? Because you can't take it back, you know. I mean, we're having an experience now that we're going to talk about later that is um, I believe Jack Shoulder just saw the movie. And I, uh, I'm not sure how he responded to it. So, um, and, you know, but... We, he's going to have the same experience that I had when he says to me in the movie, it's not about you. And then Scream Queen is not about Jack Shoulder. Yeah. You know, it's about me and my experience and, and then the universal experience of people like me. So it's interesting. Everybody gets to grow. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's a karma. What was the moment where, because, you know, you, you do, you did go in kind of into hiding for a very long time. What was the moment where you decided that it was time to start coming out and doing the conventions and doing Never Sleep Again and, and being more in the public eye again? Um, you know, actually never. I literally, the interlocutor of the world for me was my sister-in-law. Um, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have television. I live in Mexico. I've lived in Mexico for 15 years now. And now I live in central Mexico. I don't even live near tourists or anything. Um, And I really didn't want anything to do with it. But there was a little voice inside my head that would always say, you know, show business isn't finished with you yet. And I'd be like, if you haven't made a movie in six months, you're finished in Hollywood. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) A year, they buried you and you've decomposed. So... And this little crazy voice would say, no, 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 it's not finished yet. Not finished yet. And so Cheryl, uh, these boys tried to find me, um, Daniel and Tommy. 
And they did. And she said, you know what, you should really be nice and do it because they worked so hard. And really, that's the reason they did it. And, and I said, well, you have to let me tell the truth. And they did, but within the parameters of what they were doing, they did let me tell the truth, but they didn't show the truth. Yeah. And, um, and now I believe it's sort of like a journey that was just meant to be. I mean, I really think that on a certain level, I really believe truly that I made Nightmare on Elm Street too, so that I could make Screen Queen. Because I think the most important film is Screen Queen. I really do. I think it's a, it's a powerful teaching tool, and I'd like to see it used in the syllabus of film schools. I'd like it to be shown in high schools. Because I think it really does articulate for people very clearly the cost of, you know, David's actions. Do you know what I mean? Does David have any, you know, and who knows? I don't know. Does he have any idea what he cost me? None. And does he care? You know? And, and we each have that power with each other. Do you know what I mean? The, the most casual, uh, but this was, of course, not casual. But uh, you have to be responsible for your actions because the universe is coming come and get your ass. You know? <laughs> if you don't, it's true. So how did you two get in touch with Mark for this? Who, who had the idea first, I guess, is the big question. Well, I, I reached out to Mark on social media. I just randomly like thought, whatever happened to Mark Patton? It was my favorite movie. I loved, I loved the character. And I just surprised myself that I did not know. And Mark's really present on there. He talks to people. He was already talking to people at conventions, and he already had people that would, they loved the fact that they could write to him and he would write back. And that he be, was becoming sort of this mentor for people that really needed it. So he was available. And he was telling, he, he had Jesse's Lost Journals, which is a really creative story he wrote about that character, and it was online, and I read it. And I was like, this is really interesting. I was drawn into all this. So we just started a conversation, and it grew from there. And then I met Tyler because we're both working professionals. I'm a sound engineer, and he's an editor. And we met on a job, and we were working on a gay reality dating show. And I was blabbing about it, and I met him. Right. I heard him say, like, I'm, he's talking to the producers, like, I'm about to start working on this documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Mark Patton, you know, like the gay nightmare. And without, like, interjecting myself or saying hello, I lifted up my T-shirt and I showed him my Freddy phone tattoo <laughs> on my arm as, like, a shorthand of, like, I'm a horror nerd, we're going to be best friends, and I need to be a part of this project. And I think by the end of the week, we had talked on the phone. I volunteered to edit the movie. I was just like, take me to Florida with you when you start shooting. I will, I will shoot B-roll. I will help you. And from that day, I never stopped. Like, you couldn't get rid of me if you tried. Yeah. I think one of the uh, more inspired decisions in this documentary was getting Cecil Baldwin to narrate it. How did that, or Cecil Baldwin to narrate it? I mean... Tyler's the one that really kind of made the connection, but we met Cecil. He was on a panel with Mark at FlameCon, the very first gay comic convention in New York. In, in New, New York, York. Yeah. and he was and and it just you met him on a trip to Gay right. Pride. Right, uh, we met at that first thing. Uh, a bunch of my friends went up to DC uh, in 2017 for Gay Pride to march against Trump and all that stuff and he was in the van with us and 
I was telling everyone like the project I was working on, and he's like, oh my god, yes, I, I love this project, I need to be a part of it. He emailed me like a week later, he's like, no, I'm serious, if you need a voiceover artist, you let me know, I'm your guy. And I'm like, oh, I think that's a wonderful idea. Why don't and you... then I heard his voice, I'm like, there you go, that's it. <laughs> right. Perfect. We really have had the experience with this movie that, uh, you know, it's a little metaphysical, but mm. we can go there. Everything that we need appears when we need it. Uh, every door opens and we had to work our asses off I mean this thing is self-funded we did a crowd crowdfunding and we're generously gifted with about $60,000 I think from our fans $10 at a time but I mean this was like literally I go you know pour myself at the conventions <laughs> and like throw my pennies in the pot you know and like right. whatever I mean we just got it done on and credit I, cards and on you know, just and in kind, you know, like when we needed something, you know, it just showed. It was very so we had to work. an easy task, too, because this film, this franchise was so prominent in people's lives that the minute they had an opportunity to be involved, they jumped at it. And we were very much like, we need help. And you, you are here and we appreciate you and thank you. Yeah, yeah it is fascinating when you uh, actually state that you need something. That you don't beat around the bush. You're just very clear. I need this because you know I mean? <laughs> we were, you know, because we had. By the time we got here, I mean, like, we needed. I mean, we had everything that we had in this basket. I mean, everything, like our hearts, our soul, our money, our credit cards, everything. And we're weary, you know. And then somebody will step up and go, "Oh, you know, let's make a record. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this. Or let's, you know, or." There's a lot of people that believe in this cause. Yes, right. for sure. And somebody like Fantastic Fest gives us a day. Yeah. Not, uh, here's two tickets and we'll put you at a 10 p.m. slot. They gave us a day. You know, all of Sunday is our yeah. day. The event goes till late at night. I was so excited that you were doing the Peaches Christ, yep. Louisiana Purchase Drag yes. Show. That, as like a loyal, like... You know, Dragula and RuPaul's Drag Race GLP watcher. This there. was massive. Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, we start with the podcast, and then we have Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, no, Scream Queen, then Nightmare on Elm Street two, then yeah. the Drag Ball. So it's like it's Kim a, Meyer, Robert Russell coming. That's right. They we are, had yeah. dinner with the Boulet brothers from Dragula before LA screened. At Alfest, they were yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah, they were. This new season of Dragula is fantastic. I think Mark should be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so too. But yeah. and I'm also Sunday is my birthday by happenstance. Oh, that's so amazing! Isn't it amazing? Oh, and, happy birthday and now! Literally <laughs> not planned. So if the opening, uh, the official opening of your film, on your birthday, uh, with a podcast and a drag ball at the end you know yeah. and like you know the universe is sprinkling like little rose petals and dollar bills you guys do something real right big now. for next year then oh uh, it's the academy <laughs> next year yeah. we're going to be shining our academy award exactly. yeah, yeah. that was a long shot but the dark horse took it oh. yeah so so I, I have a question for you specifically, Mark, though, because so much of the movie does deal with the cyberbullying and a lot of the stuff on there. How was it a relief to start going to these conventions? And I mean, I'm someone who pretty much professionally does conventions as a vendor, and the right. love that horror fans have for any person that's willing to sit down at a table and sign autographs is so overwhelming. Was it a relief to see that other side? Well, when I first started, it wasn't. There it yet. was 50-50, you know what I mean? It's like I my Spooky Empire, I think, was my first big show. And it's like literally like guys especially would like ignore me. 
you know, they would go and get Kim's autograph, but they, like, I mean, literally made it known that they didn't want my autograph. It's just something like, you know, like that thing. And then there were, on the other hand, there were those guys who were, like, very, very straight, you know, tall, butch, straight guys. And they present really calm, and then I would touch their back, and it was spasming, you know. And they were, <laughs> they were wetting themselves because they were, like, little fanboys. So, and I learned. Do you know what I mean? And I learned that uh, I learned to be truthful. I know how to be truthful in life. Do you know what I mean? I've had enough experience with it through illness and many different things that I know the power of telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like, if you tell the truth, people can't mess with you. Like, and if I tell you my business, there's no shame involved in it. Because when you tell the story, I'm the one that told it to you. So I got into this head that it's like, you know when you go to church? Yeah. And they say, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. And then they say, also with you. I live my life that way in those conventions. The people that I dislike the most, I try to push the most peace on them. And, and it rolls right back on me. And so in the process of all of this, I've been healed of a lot of things that go way beyond just this documentary. But as I unpacked my life, you know, it was... Um, it's a gift. I mean, this whole thing was a gift to me. And it was a gift to him and him and to you, I think. Because I, if you sat and cried your eyes out, then it touched you in your heart someplace. And that's what we wanted to do. And if we do that, and we have experience now, that we know that we've done that. Do you know what I mean? We have enough experience in the, in the theaters now that it's a wave. And we feel it and we know it. And that we, we got our job done. And we're really, really proud of it. I'm proud of it. If there's any listeners who aren't able to make it to Fantastic Fest but want to have that cathartic cry as well, are there some other festivals that it's playing at that you can announce? We're going to Reeling in Chicago next weekend with a closing night film there. Our New York premiere is October 28th in New York City for New Fest. We'll be part of Salem Horror Fest on October 6th. And we'll do a lot of uh, little in things in between. Atlanta, Nashville, we have a list of, if you just visit us at Scream Queen, we have about, I think, 30 or 40 cities up. Yeah. Oslo, yeah. Uh, we're breaking into Europe. It's going to be in Dublin, I believe. Too many to list. They're all hot. Yeah, there. the world is, we're, growing. we're going around the world, you know. All right, well, go check it out. It's Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you, Matt. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's awesome. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.